Welcome everyone to episode 29 of the Pixel Power Podcast. I am your host, Stephen, and today we're going to continue our second in a six-part series of episodes I'm calling My Faves. And if you've been joining in since the beginning, part one was My Favorite Chrome OS Applications. And today we kind of continue the Chrome OS theme by talking about my favorite Android apps on Chrome OS. As most of you are aware, most modern Chromebooks can now run Android apps. These are the apps that I have found add additional features and add to more enjoyment in using my Pixel Book. I'm not only going to spend time talking about my favorite apps, but we're also going to spend some time talking about how to install the Google Play Store and how to get the most out of using the Google Play Store. And I'll be sharing numerous tips and tricks along the way to help you get the most out of your Android apps on your Pixelbook device. I'll be focusing on those Android apps that don't have a good Chrome OS app alternative. Generally, if there is a Chrome OS app alternative, I will use that over an Android app just because of the integration with Chrome OS. However, I have found that Chrome OS does have some gaps in what we can do and in the types of apps we use. And I have found that Android apps will sometimes fill in those gaps quite nicely and allow us to do some things that we couldn't do on our Chromebook alone. And I'll be talking about those as we go. Later on in the series, we'll actually be talking about my favorite Android apps on the Pixel 3 XL. And there may be some overlap with this show, but I'll also try and incorporate why having those apps on both of those devices is a productivity enhancement. Before we get started though, I wanna talk a little bit about the history of Android apps on Chrome OS. The Google Play Store became available for Chrome OS about version 53 on the stable channel and on a select number of Chrome OS devices. And that rollout was somewhere around September of 2016. So we're about three years in to running Android apps on Chrome OS. And while it has matured over those three years, it still is not perfect. And Google performed this rollout of Android apps on Chrome OS to do just what I talked about at the very beginning of the show, to fill in the gaps where applications were not available to do specific things or connect with specific services. A great example of that is one of the first uses of Android apps on Chrome OS was to use the Microsoft Office Suite using those Android versions to give you Microsoft documents, Excel spreadsheets, and PowerPoint slide capability on your Chrome OS device. Now, For those of us that use Google Docs, that's not such a big thing, but for many in business, those Android apps became a key piece to their productivity environment on a Chrome OS device. As I mentioned, there are some advantages of Android apps, and the biggest advantage is to fill in the gaps. Uh, An example of a gap that's filled in, for instance, is if you're an Instagram user, Instagram's web interface only lets you view Instagram posts, so there's no Chrome OS or web version of Instagram available to post on Chrome OS. However, if you have the Android app on Chrome OS, then you can post to Instagram. And they're not a huge interest to me, but as you'll find, maybe some interest, but many really were looking forward to using their Chrome OS device for gaming, especially the Pixel Book with that very nice high resolution screen, that great i5 or i7 processor. Well, now you can play a good majority of the Android apps on that nice large screen. And it is a joy to actually play games on that big device, whether it's a casual game like Candy Crush or more intense first person shooter there are advantages to being able to run that on that larger screen. 
And of course, with advantages, there are some limitations or I wouldn't call them disadvantages, but just general limitations. And one of those are not all Android apps will size properly. There's still a few coded in such a way that they're locked into the smallish window on your Chrome OS screen. Most of them though, and especially the ones I mentioned today, they do allow resizing and it's a dynamic resizing. So that means that the user interface for these Android apps actually move and scale based on how you scale your window. It really has come a long way in three years. But again, there are some apps that do not scale well on a Chrome OS device. As you know, using Android apps, we do tend to create files and it is a bit confusing using Android apps when you create a new file type, such as an image, an audio file or a video file, because it doesn't integrate really well with the Chrome OS file system. There's a separate little area that's kind of sandboxed for those files. And we're gonna talk a little bit about that when I share a couple of Android apps that'll help you work through that confusion. And for those Pixelbook users out there that have a Google pen, you do need to know that not every Android app is optimized for use with the Google Pen. However, I do have one app that I'm going to recommend that works extremely well and more and more developers are finally trying to optimize their applications so that there's less lag with the Google Pen and the Google Pen becomes more usable. And those are the advantages and limitations of Android apps. I do want to go ahead and talk about how to activate the Google Play Store on your Chrome OS device. There may be some listeners out there who've not done that yet. I would be surprised, but maybe you, you haven't done that. So let's go through that quickly. First of all, you go to settings, you go to Google Play, and then you select the turn on button. Now, as a reminder, I have a very comprehensive set of show notes that will guide you through this process. So make sure you visit the website, go to episode 0029 and view the show notes where you'll find these instructions for how to activate Google Play Store, as well as links to everything we talk about today. So once you have turned on the Google Play Store, in the window that appears, select more, and then you're going to select the I agree at the terms of service prompt. Google Play will install, it is not immediate, it will take a, a few minutes, and then when it is done installing, you will actually have Android version nine installed on your Chrome OS device. From there, you will also have the Play Store application. It should appear in your launcher. You shouldn't have any problems finding that. You load that and then you're gonna see the Google Play Store that you know and love from your Pixel phone or your Android phone. You may start looking at the applications that you've purchased and you may note that some of those are not available to load under Chrome OS. Chrome OS does stop the installation of some applications, but that's really rather few and far between. Most of the apps that you probably have on your Pixel phone will run fine on your Pixel book. And if you've already thought, well, can I just sideload those apps that they don't allow me to load through the Google Play Store? You cannot do that currently unless you're in developer mode. Now there is some discussion online about allowing that option in a future stable release. So we'll keep an eye on that as we go. But for now, you can't sideload apps, Android apps, unless you're on the developer channel. And then another caveat, something I noticed is not every G Suite account allows for the Google Play Store to be installed. For example, when I try and log into my college Google education account, that account will not let me install the Play Store. I would have to request that from our G Suite administrator to do that. 
After you have installed the Google Play Store, you should also know that there are some default Android apps that are installed automatically. And I want to go through those so that you know exactly which apps you already have installed. Now, most of these are frameworks or utilities that let Android 9 function in the Chrome OS environment, but a few of these are actually usable. And then a few of them, it's it's just kind of awkward how you access them. Now I'm gonna talk about these in alphabetical order. And the very first one is the Android Accessibility Suite. Now the Accessibility Suite uh, includes accessibilities such as speak, uh, select to speak, switch access if you need a switch for assistive devices and talkback, which is uh, where the screen will actually talk back to you so that you know what you're selecting. Most of the times these are used for those who need additional accessibility. However, it does and is used for some other things throughout the systems. For instance, if you want it to read a book to you, it will need that accessibility suite. It also includes Android System WebView. Android WebView is simply the system component that powers Chrome and allows Android apps to display web content. So you're grabbing a subset of Chrome that displays web contents and it's allowing that to be integrated into some apps. For instance, I mentioned Instagram earlier, that is probably using Android WebView to pull the web content down to the mobile device. This one was kind of fun. It actually installs the Clock app. However, if you go to your launcher and search for Clock, you're not going to find it. So we're going to talk about that in a minute, but it is not just generally available. However, there is a way that you can load the Clock. It will also load the cloud print services so that you can print to uh, cloud print capable printers from your Android apps. It would be kind of worthless if we couldn't print from some of the Android apps we have. So cloud print will provide those services. There's also another default app that is included that you may think, uh, well, that's kind of interesting. Why can't I find it? And that's contacts. And contacts, while it is installed, it is not accessible from the launcher. So again, we'll talk about that in just a minute. But contacts is another default application. Finally, Google Text to speech, which works with the accessibility I talked about earlier, powers applications to read the text on your screen aloud. You can use it to read, for instance, Google Play Books, and it's also used for Google Translate. So those are all of the apps that are included when you install the Google Play Store. I mentioned that the contacts and the clock app were not available as an icon for you to select from the launcher, but here's what you can do. Locate the apps in the Play Store. So go to the Google Play Store and for for instance, search for contacts. Now, when you find that page, you're going to see an open option. Click that open option and what will happen is that application will launch on the Chrome OS screen. If you go down to your shelf, you're going to notice that there is now an icon for that application. So before you quit that application, right click on it and select pin to put the application icon on the shelf permanently and it'll stay there. You still can't search for it in the launcher, but at least you do now have it on your shelf so that you have quick access. Now, because you have a full installation of Android, you also have the Android settings available to you. And I want to tell you how to view those because that's not readily apparent either. If you go to Chrome OS settings, go to Google Play Store, then you're gonna see a new option called Manage Android Preferences. And when you click that, the Android settings window will open and you can manage such preferences as apps and notifications, sound, storage, security and location, accounts, accessibility. You can actually manage your Google account settings and then you can look at the system and find out which version of Android you are running. 
So that's a roll up of everything that happens once you install the Google Play Store on your Pixel Book. So the Android apps I use, and these are in alphabetical order, include first, I have to mention Anchor. Anchor, the Anchor Android app is the perfect app for me as a podcaster to have on my Chrome OS device. Anchor, as most of you know, is my podcast platform of choice. And the Anchor app includes tools to allow me to listen, subscribe, record, and share my podcast. Uh, for Anchor users, the Android app provides a way to easily record a podcast. So there's no really great recording tool in Chrome OS. This app will let me record audio. Now, I rarely will record audio using it, but it is good to know that it's there. I generally like to record for my studio, which is what I'm doing right now. I can also track the number of views for a podcast, and I can also see which platforms you all are listening to the podcast from. For instance, are you listening from Google Podcasts? Are you usually listening from Pocket Cast? Or are you actually listening on an Apple device? That would be interesting since we're all about the Google products here. Now, here's one that I never would have installed had it not been included as a free app through the Chrome Rewards program. And this is an application called Concepts. Concepts, per their website, is a flexible space to think, plan, and create. You can sketch ideas on an infinite canvas, write notes and doodles with tilt plus pressure. You can draw storyboards, illustrations, product sketches, and designs. And then you can share them with friends. And you can actually share the things you draw with other apps. And what I love about this application is they specifically list that this Android app has been optimized for Chrome OS. And they're absolutely right. The pen lag is almost non-existent when using Concepts. I have tried other Android apps, but Concepts app works really well. Now, I mentioned that I got this free, and I did this by checking out the Chromebook offers that were available. I just happened one day to see that Concepts was available for free. I do not, I should have researched it, I apologize. I think it was $4.99 for the app, but I was able to get it for free. So if you have a Pixelbook, now I know this was specifically for the Pixelbook, go to Chromebook Offers Program. There is a link in the show notes. Click on that and see if that is still available for you. I do believe it was a limited time offer, but if you didn't take advantage of it on the Pixelbook, it may still be an option. If not, it is a drawing package I recommend on the Google Play Store that will allow you really to get the maximum use out of your pen, and it has some really cool tools. So check it out if you are an artist or a designer or just want to jot some notes or sketch some ideas. Everybody using a laptop or a mobile device probably should have a VPN service, and my preferred VPN service is ExpressVPN. Uh, ExpressVPN is really just number one uh, in my book, and I've tried a bunch of them. It works extremely well on the Pixelbook and the Chromebook, and it works extremely well with Android. And actually, the Android app is the way to connect your Pixelbook or Chrome OS device to a VPN, what you do is you download the ExpressVPN Android app, you load that app, log in with your credentials, select a location to connect from, and then it passes that private network down to your Chrome OS device as well. So it is the way to do it. Now there is a way to actually manually plug in VPN settings under the Chrome OS settings. However, it only connects to a single point. You can't rotate points around the world. If you use the Android ExpressVPN app, you can select points from around the world just by a click of the button without reconfiguring. So ExpressVPN is the way to go. 
I do have a link in the show notes if you'd like to try ExpressVPN for 30 days free. You can click that link and you can give it a shot. And then I also have a link to download ExpressVPN from the Google Play Store. I mentioned earlier that using Android apps causes a little bit of confusion with relationship to files that you create and manage. When you load the Google Play Store, one of the things you'll notice in the Chrome OS Files app is that you have a new area. It's called Play Files. And if you look under that, you're going to see Movies, Music, and Pictures. And at first glance, it appears that those are the only types of files that you can modify. And those are the only folders that you have available to you. For more flexibility though, I recommend you go to the Google Play Store, find the Files by Google app. You can then access all of your Android data files right from that app, just as if you had that Files app on your Android phone. The great thing about the Files by Google app is not only does it provide access to files, but it will allow you to view the space available in your Google Play Store files. It'll allow you to free up space. It'll provide cleaning recommendations. So if I duplicate files or large files, it helps you find files faster with search and simple browsing that is not accessible through the files Chrome OS application. It'll also allow you to share files when you're offline with others through a direct connection between devices, which is pretty cool if you haven't done that. And then finally, it'll allow you to back up files to the cloud when you are back online. So the Files app is a great way to manage and view your Android partition file structure and to manage your files. So make sure you download that. That's probably a required first download when you install the Google Play Store. I've mentioned many times I love to stay connected with family using Google Duo. And while Google Duo does have an available web page now, it's not as full featured as the Android app. And the Android app gives me all those features of Google Duo on my Chrome OS device. So make sure you download that from the Google Play Store and enjoy connecting with your friends and family. The next Android application I have on my list is Google Earth, and there is a very good web version of Google Earth, but for some reason, I keep coming back to the Android app on my Pixelbook. I think it might just be a touch faster. Uh, I can't quantify that at all, but I do think it seems a touch faster using the Android app. But I will say that the web version and the Android app are very comparable. I don't think I found something that one does that the other doesn't. So this is all about a performance choice for me. I will say though, if you've not used Google Earth on a Pixelbook or any touch-enabled Chrome OS device, it is so much fun. You can take that earth, you can pinch to zoom, pinch in, pinch out. You can rotate using a two finger twist and you can tilt the horizon up on the map by using a two finger up and down. And again, it's just so much fun to try. Again, I, I think I'm gonna recommend the Android app for this one because I do think it's a bit re more responsive. So download that on the Google Play Store and let me know what you think. Maybe I'm dreaming it. So listener feedback would be good at this point. Now the next two Android apps I'm going to list are really required because there's no web version or web access to these devices. And the first one is Google Home. So, uh, or I guess is now it's your Nest Hub. You remember the Google Home Hub, which is now Nest Hub, which we're all confused, right? So that device. But if you wanna manage those, there's no web connectivity or no web version or website where you can manage those devices. So download the Google Home, which is still what it's called, the Google Home app on the Google Play Store. You can set up and 
configure those home hubs, nest hubs, whatever we're calling them now. And then the other device, because I use this throughout my house, is the Google Wi-Fi. Again, no web version. So downloading the Google Wi-Fi app lets me manage my network on my Pixelbook, which is great because then I can fire that up on this big, large screen and I can manage my Wi-Fi network. The first app I mentioned was Anchor. And if you remember, one of the reasons I installed that application was so I could record audio. However, there is a better application for that. And it is a paid application called HiQ. HiQ does cost $3.49. You can try it out for free, but the free version will only record in 10 minute increments. However, I had some money left over from my reward survey funds and decided to give the full version a shot. And I'm so glad I did. First of all, HiQ was originally purchased for my Pixel phone. But then I found that it worked really well on my Pixel Book for recording 44 kilohertz high quality audio. And it was easy to do, it works well, and it does something that I really appreciated was that it would automatically upload audio to Dropbox or Google Drive in my case whenever I was on a preferred connection such as Wi-Fi. It will not upload on your mobile network unless you tell it to. So I did like that it would record and then automatically upload audio to Google Drive to have a backup. It also has multiple formats and quality. You can customize the auto quality with changeable bit rates up to 320 kilobits per second. And you can record in several different formats, including WAV, AUG, M4A, and the open source version FLAC. Once you have those recordings, it comes with tools to manage your clips, share, sort, rename. You can delete recordings, of course. You can speed up playback to save time and see what you actually have recorded, or you can slow it way down. But to perceive the details of your recordings, it plays it back without changing the pitch. So if you've used like Pocket Cast two times speed, you'll know that it doesn't raise the pitch so that we're talking like this. It's just a regular pitch. If you're looking for a way to record on your Chrome OS device, this is a great application that will provide you more features. If you write in Markdown, you're gonna like this next application. It is IA Writer. IA Writer was an iOS application that was ported to Android, but unlike its iOS counterpart, it is a free application on Android. So if you're looking for a way to write in Markdown, organize your Markdown files, and keep all of your important information in a single location, I highly recommend IA Writer. It works really well on Chrome OS and probably gives you the best Markdown experience even over those Markdown specific Chrome OS applications. So I really enjoy it. And I like that I can have the same Markdown editor on both my phone and my laptop when I'm on the go. This next one is very specific and it's for those users of the Google Jamboard. If you're not familiar what the Google Jamboard is, think of it as a big, huge collaborative smart board. There is an image in the show notes for those of you that might have interest. And you can also do a search in Google for Google Jamboard. But this app is a required app for Chrome OS. There is a web version for using the Google Jamboard, but it is such a limited version that it's hardly usable except to create a Jamboard and to get a jam started. And those of you who have no idea what a Jamboard is, you're probably saying, why does he keep saying to jam and jam on and all that? So 
We're just jamming right now, all right? So hang in there with me. If you want to actually get the most benefit out of your Jamboard, download the Android Jamboard app to your Chrome OS device. Then your Pixelbook or Chrome OS laptop becomes an extension of the Jamboard. Whatever's up on the Jamboard is actually on your laptop. And what if you would like to add something to the Jamboard, you can add that from your laptop and it automatically appears on the Jamboard. It is a great way to collaborate using the Jamboard. So if you are in need and you need to do some jamming, as we say, uh, grab your Pixel Pen, your touch screen, your Android app on your Pixelbook and just have a blast with it. Now this next one is one I'm a little disappointed in since the first time I used it. But as many probably know, it's hard to find a good video editor for Chrome OS. Most of them are web-based, which means initially you have to upload your video, which can be quite time consuming. It's not as real time, it's not as dynamic, it's not as interactive. But there was an Android app called KineMaster probably is still the best of its kind, but unfortunately it's taken this freemium bottle and just gone out of control. The cost is a little high for a month's worth of access. You can get it for about five bucks for a year. It's significantly more. While it used to be pretty good, even in the free version um, that has limited versions, they've stuck this annoying ad right in the middle of the video editing tool. So while I was using it in the past, and while it probably still is the best way to edit video on your Chrome OS device with this Android app, um, it's, it's costly. So unless you really have a need, I don't recommend it for now. Next year, that thing would probably be completely off the list because as Chrome OS is opening up full Linux support, some of those wonderful Linux video editing applications are finally starting to get the features they need to work, such as USB access and audio access. So next year, this time, hopefully KineMaster won't even be on my list and we can use a free video tool on Linux. Netflix is next on the list, but you say, Stephen, Netflix has a web version that's quite good and you would be correct. However, if you download the Android app, the little extra feature you get is that you can take stranger things on the go for offline use. You can't do that with the web browser, but with the Android app, browse to that Netflix series, see if there's a downloadable version. There probably is for the majority of the content they have. Download it and the next time you're on the plane, open it up, open the Android app, and then you have that Netflix show to watch even without Wi-Fi. So that's the reason I have that app on the list and installed on my Pixelbook. Regular listeners to the show know that Termux is always an Android install on both my Pixel phone and my Pixelbook. I am not going to spend any time talking about it because I have a whole episode, episode 26, link in the show notes. Go listen to it and find out all the really cool things you can do with Termux on your Pixelbook, but go, go install it right now. It's so much fun if you are a terminal hack like me. Now, as I mentioned earlier, one of the reasons the Android apps have really taken off on the Pixelbook is because they provide access to games that aren't available in Chrome OS. Earlier, I mentioned Candy Crush. Well, that's a game. Granted, it is a game and you can play it to kill some time. However, if you're looking to really see the advantages 
of having a pixel book and that i5 or i7 processor pushing those graphics. A good game to download is War Machines. It's a tank simulator. I love tank simulators because I'm an old army officer uh, who uh, used to be on tanks on a regular basis and tanks are just my thing, man. And I really enjoy this game on the Pixel phone, but it became even more awesome when I loaded it on that high resolution and larger Pixel Book screen. You could see things that you couldn't see on the smaller phone screen. Gameplay became more exciting, more expansive. Uh, you were more immersed. Uh, that's just one game. I would imagine that uh, any favorite game of yours that's a first person or third person shooter would just be awesome on the larger screen. So again, if you're a big gamer, and I'm not a big gamer, I'm kind of a casual gamer, I enjoy games every once in a while, uh, maybe once a month I'll go off and play an hour or so, but they really do shine, Android games really do shine on a Pixelbook or a Chrome OS device with a decent processor. Around our house, we have lots of Wise Cams linked in the show notes if you're not sure what those are. Wise Cams are the greatest value in home camera systems, bar none. They're $25 a camera. And what I love about Wise Cams is the development of the software and features doesn't stop. And you don't need to upgrade your cameras to get these new features. They're all about the software and developing the software. The hardware will stay the same, maybe some upgrades down the road, but that backend server software development is where they focus. So it seems like almost monthly we're getting some new features. You can also add an inexpensive micro SD to these cameras to save video beyond what is already included in free cloud storage. Again, generally that's an additional cost for cameras. So check them out. They do not have a web version to access the cams, which is why WiseCam is one of the first downloads for my Pixel book. And they've actually added smart light bulbs and some smart sensors. So you can manage all of those with the WiseCam application. Oh, and by the way, WiseCams are now compatible with our Nest Hubs. On my Nest Hub, I can say, show me this camera. And on my little seven inch screen there, it shows me and lets me listen to what's happening on that camera. And now for the final Android app on my list is Zoodoo. Zoodoo allows you to view and manipulate PDFs. And there are some great PDF tools for Chrome OS. As a matter of fact, Zoodoo does have a Chrome OS app, but the Android app blows it out of the water. And it allows you to view and manipulate PDFs beyond what you can do with just the standard PDF viewer in Chrome OS. It also will allow you to do some things with your pen. There's a little lag there. It's not perfect, but again, for your working with PDFs, Zoodoo is the best application. If you want to know more about what you can do with Zoodoo, be sure to check out episode 0013, link in the show notes, but go ahead and download Zoodoo on the Google Play Store and give it a shot. So that's my list of Android apps that helped me get the most out of my Pixel Book. What did I miss? What are the apps that I should be trying out and include on my list, maybe for next year, or if we do an update, or I would love to share the apps you're using, the Android apps you're using to get the most out of your Pixel Book in a future edition of the Addendum. And speaking of the Addendum, let's roll into this week's edition of the Addendum. As a reminder to those who may be new to the show, the addendum is the segment where I share comments and corrections from past shows, observations from living the pixel-powered life, and sometimes something completely unrelated. So there's not been a whole lot of feedback from the last show, so it's been very lonely. However, I did want to follow up on some general feedback I received. First of all, 
Listener Thomas reached out on Facebook to let me know that he received his Don't Get Too Excited promotion package. I'm glad you liked it, Thomas. Thanks for letting me know you received that. If there's others who received their package and would like to share that, you could take a picture and put that somewhere on Twitter or some other social media network with the hashtag Pixel Power Podcast. I'd love to take a look at that and share that with our listeners. I have been in touch with a fellow podcaster. I am not going to divulge who it is right now, but we are collaborating on an upcoming show, which should be released this fall. And I think it's going to be a blast. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, No spoilers yet, though. But as we get closer, I'll probably drop some hints here and there. I had some fun watching an Instagram promotion post uh, go a little bit viral for me. When I say viral, I'm talking more than a couple hundred likes. This one has actually received 334 likes, and it's been fun to watch that, and hopefully that has engaged more listeners. I don't know that I've noticed an increase in listenership yet, but that at least is getting the word out there that the Pixel Power Podcast is out there for those listeners so inclined to learn more about getting the most out of their Pixel devices. And now for a programming note, I have decided that trying to produce an episode a week was just a little too tasking on my schedule. So I will be producing shows every two weeks going forward. There may be a time where I pop in and sneak one in, but two weeks seems to be the sweet spot for me. It allows me to have some life beyond work, beyond the podcast, and allow me to enjoy other hobbies and spend time with my family. So be on the lookout for episodes every two weeks going forward. Have a few things to share and when we talk about living a pixel powered life and the first thing I noticed in my email box this week was that pixel owners are being offered $10 off on the pixel 3 stand. Still not cheap enough for me. I'm waiting for that 50% off. I was using my pixel phone the other day and I know I should know this and some of you probably do. I was clearing notifications one by one by swiping one by one by one. I know there's the clear all button at the very bottom of the notifications, but what I discovered by actually misswiping is that you can clear notifications by swiping by group. For instance, if you select and swipe the entire Gmail header above the Gmail notifications, that will swipe them all. Again, I should have known that. Most of you probably do. I didn't. Maybe somebody else didn't and it helped you as well. Seems tensions are easing a little bit between Amazon and Google. As you may remember, YouTube was not available on devices like the Amazon Echo and you could not use a Chromecast with the Amazon Prime Video app. Well, now you can. Amazon Prime Video can now cast to Chromecast devices. So that is a welcome addition if you're using a Chromecast and you have an Amazon Prime account and you need to watch Man in the High Castle. Most of you know TicWatch is the Wear OS watch I wear. They released a new TicWatch Pro with 4G LTE. They increased the RAM from 512 megabytes to one gig. That should really help for, for performance. And I am very impressed. I'm very tempted. I would love to see this thing. I'm going to wait. Probably uh, be some price drops. It is brand new. It's about $299 right now. Although there was a $20 price drop just recently, I'm still going to wait for that to drop a little bit. The TicWatch Pro without the 4G is consistently rated as one of the best Wear OS watches, but I'm going to keep an eye on this one. The 4G LTE, I think it's only available through Verizon. If that becomes available on Google Fi, that would be a killer combo, the TicWatch and the Pixel phone. Since we talked last time, Android Q Beta 5 was released, then it was removed. 
and then it was released again. And I did download it on the second release date and everything seems to be working fine, except what I mentioned last time, Android Auto still not working for me. I did try the nuclear option to try and fix Android Auto. So what I did is I installed Beta 5. I reset the phone back to defaults. I did a fresh install of all the apps. I was I was very careful not to install from a backup because that would bring settings. Tried it again and no dice. I will say the only thing I haven't tried and I sh and I know I should probably try it is I have not replaced the cable in my car. I will do that. I can't believe that's going to be it because that cable's brand new and it's been working, but who knows? So I will try a fresh cable and see if that does it and report back. I did a search online, didn't see anybody else having problems with Android Android Auto working with Beta Q. If you do, let me know. I'd love to hear back from you. But for now, I'm still not using Android Auto and it is a little bit maddening when I get in my car and am traveling. Android Q Beta 5 does include a feature I really like. It's the now playing feature that displays the current song playing nearby or just within your environment on your device on your lock screen. I'm amazed at how handy that feature is. I'll be just walking through a store, for instance. I'll open up the phone to check the time, and there at the bottom is the name of the song that's playing on the Muzak system. Although, you know, Muzak, I'm not even sure if that's a thing anymore. That's my age. But it is. it is shows that song, so that's pretty cool. I'm enjoying it and learning uh, some of the new modern hip songs that kids are listening to. So in the something completely unrelated area, I want to talk about wise cams again. You remember I talked about wise cams earlier and those being just an exceptional value. And uh, I, I briefly mentioned that person notifications has been added to their cameras, which has worked really well. So if a person walks by one of my wise cams, I get a notification on my phone. Here's what's really been cool though. The notification comes with an image on my phone. Now here's what's even more cool. I mentioned earlier, TickWatch. That notification with that image from the Pixel 3 XL actually appears on my TickWatch. So if I'm in a meeting, my camera sees somebody on my TickWatch with Wear OS, I can simply scroll through that notification and I can actually see the image. Very, very handy. And yes, I was sucked into Amazon Prime Day. I'd love to hear if you were sucked into Amazon Prime Day, and I'd love for you to share what you purchased that helps support your pixel-powered life or some other tech. So here's what I got sucked into. Here's my list, and this entire list is in the show notes. I, I purchased, let's see, let me go through my list here. I purchased two Acer SB220Q 21.5, inch IPS ultra thin zero frame monitors. I'm actually looking at them both right now as I record. So on one monitor, I have my show notes on the other monitor. I have audacity running and I can see my waveform that lets me know I'm recording. I can see my levels. I love the setup. There's a picture in the show notes. These monitors were super cheap. I got them less than 80 bucks. So for two of them, less than $160. They are perfect for what I'm doing, and it was a great way to enhance the recording studio for, yes, you, the listener, and of course for me, for all my many other projects. One of the reasons they cost, or the cost was so cheap is one of the things they don't include is a VESA mount. 
uh, on the back of the monitor and I did want to mount these high. So I did find human centric VESA mounts, which were pretty affordable. Bought a couple of those, threw those in. I'm still at a really good price. And then uh, I also bought a dual VESA bracket adapter that mounts to my wall. Again, check out the show notes and you'll see how I've got all that figured out. And it just works perfectly. These monitors, again, are bright, brilliant. Uh, while they're not 4K, they are HD and they look great. My my old eyes probably couldn't see 4K anyway at this point since I, I'm in uh, wearing those uh, transition lenses anyway. But it, they are perfect. I love the setup. I love during the recording of this episode how I've been able to switch back and forth between those monitors and see everything I need to do. So great value. So glad I took advantage of those. And then a couple other fun things. I bought a... I think it's a Vavofo, Vavofo, V-A-V-O-F-O, outdoor smart outlet that includes three sockets. This just seemed like a good time to get those ready for holiday lights. And I'm actually going to go out and tinker with that a little bit, but it is a, a three socket smart outlet that works with our Google Home devices. So that's good. I also found a Vixing USB-C to HDMI adapter. I bought two of those. One of them was for the dual monitor setup I just mentioned, but then also I wanted to have a USB-C to HDMI monitor for my Pixel phone. So I got these pretty inexpensively. I think they were about $8 a piece. So when that new Android Q desktop mode comes where we plug in the Pixel device and it gives us a full desktop experience, that should be the adapter I need to play and uh, experience that. And when that's available, boy, you can I can tell you, I'm gonna be uh, podcasting about that. And then finally, I purchased something for my wife for her birthday. I'm not gonna reveal it. I am pretty sure she doesn't listen to the show, not an issue, but on the short, small chance that she would listen to this episode, uh, I will just say I did find her something. I mentioned it within the episode. Hmm. And that concludes this episode of the Pixel Power Podcast. Stay tuned where you can learn how to connect with me online. Would you like to support the podcast and help me provide you with the latest Pixel-related tips and tricks? Consider the following. Share an episode using the hashtag PixelPowerPodcast on your favorite social media platform. If you'd like to help offset the cost of hosting the podcast, you can do that at anchor.fm on their support page. That URL is anchor.fm slash pixelpowerpodcast slash support where you can make a small monthly contribution. If you'd like to connect online to the podcast and continue the conversation, visit the website at www.pixelpowerpodcast.com. If you're looking for a specific episode, go to www.pixelpowerpodcast.com episodes, or you can send me an email at steven at pixelpowerpodcast.com. I also host a Pixel Power Podcast Google Groups. Simply go to Google Groups and search for Pixel Power Podcast. If you'd like to know what's going on on a more regular basis with the podcast, be sure to check out the podcast at Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. On all three of those platforms, simply search for Pixel Power Podcast. If you want to be a part of the show or simply leave audio feedback, you can do that by visiting anchor.fm slash pixelpowerpodcast slash message and click on the Start Recording Now button to leave a voice message. You can also send feedback via an MP3 file using Google Docs. Simply record, upload, and share the link to me via email. Thanks to everyone for being a listener to the Pixel Power Podcast. I appreciate each and every one of you and look forward to your continued feedback.